Hi all and welcome. This is Health Hours, a podcast on early stage startups and investing in Europe. I'm happy to have your attention. I hope you love the show. Here with us, Victor Forman from Gamer Class. Um, hi, hi, Victor. Hi, Francesco. Great to uh, to be here together with you. And uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> Wonderful. You're welcome. Uh, so Gamer Class, that is your startup, is actually amazing because you blend together gaming and education. Uh, a lot of us um, have an experience with learning in gaming. It is quite chaotic, I would say, because we jump from YouTube videos to talking with friends or strangers on the Internet. And you're blending together education and gaming and you're streamlining this experience in given a lot of people, thousands of people, <laughs> uh, a way to to get in better at their favorite sports. So my first question is, how did you came to, to Gamer Class? As always, my first question is always, yeah. how did you came to, uh, to Gamer Class? And, and what's your story? Yeah. Um, so I guess my story begins... Um, from a kid that had way too much uh, energy. So I originally started playing traditional sports um, here in Copenhagen and also the UK, uh, turned that into a professional career. Um, and then at sort of the age of 18, I remember that um, as a soccer player, you, you, you can only practice for <clears throat> X amount of hours a day. And then eventually you spend a lot of time playing video games. A lot of pro soccer players does that. And um, and so I started playing a lot of video games in my spare time. Um, and eventually I actually found out that I thought it was much more compelling for me to play video games instead of playing traditional sports. Um, so I basically threw out the contract and, and tried to become pro in gaming and esports. This is 10, 15 years ago um, and, and failed big time because as you just mentioned, um, very fragmented market. There's no like tools and services. Well, now there is, but um, but but basically trying to sort of take some of the things I knew work very well in sort of the sports world, and how can we try to implement that into sort of like the gaming and esports world? Um, and I think we we've come a long way already. Um, and I love to say like one analogy that I sort of like to make is that we're creating the same atmosphere for our customers as when you are sitting in a locker room after a match together with your teammates right and, and i think that's very much the beauty of of what we are building is that it's a content play where we intelligently match content towards where you are in terms of your individual level and then on top of that there is the community aspect where people they can connect with sort of like-minded players who are all interested in learning how to get better um, so that's 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 very much what you also covered, um, but that's sort of like the story and how I, I I got into founding Gamers Class, which is two years ago now. Interesting. Um, what has been the biggest challenge you you overcame in, in the last years? Yeah, um, I think it is that um, we are working with 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 a very young audience. 
which um, are used to getting a lot of content for free through either Twitch and YouTube. And all of a sudden, there comes out a player like us who are starting to charging for this service. Um, and I think that has been one of the obstacles to, to really sort of uh, find a value proposition in, in making a product that is so good and superior to YouTube or Twitch uh, that is actually valuable for customers um, and also for customers who are able to pay for it because um, it's not it's not cheap to sort of do what we're doing. We obviously work with some of the biggest players in the world and um, the equivalent of LeBron James and Tiger Woods in traditional sports, right? Um, so, uh, so it has been to, to sort of develop a model that resonates with both the users, but also resonates with the content creators or the pro players. Um, so we've been spending a lot of time on sort of um, doing a lot of surveys, asking a lot of questions and sort of identify our ideal customer profile. And on the other side, also identify who are sort of the content creators that we, we want to work with. Um, and I think that we have found something that that resonates very well with with pro players and content creators busy schedule where YouTube and Twitch is a little, you know, Twitch is very unreliable because if you stop streaming for, for a week or two, all of a sudden you lose your entire subscriber base. And on YouTube, it's a long grind to get up to, you know, 20, 30, maybe a hundred thousand before you start making, you know, real cash. Um, so for us, it's been about listening to, to their needs and then develop a model that the, uh, that resonates with their busy schedule and where the monetization model is is more guaranteed. So that's what we have we've we've come up with so far. Yes, I think that um, to build a, a community around your learning platform, it is um, a competitive advantage advantage against YouTube and Twitch, as you said, because yeah. uh, your audience is quite uh, <laughs> is moving around uh, in YouTube and Twitch, and you. <laughs> you're going to give them uh, a reason to stay there. Uh, you think that, uh, uh, so you think that a community is, is a key in, in this kind of business? This kind of Absolutely. And I think um, the, the beauty about what we've seen is that we're already, um, so we're basically validated building a community through Discord. Discord is an amazing service that, that is great for building, you know, sub-communities. Um, and sort of, we've sort of found out what are some of the stigmas that is happening inside of that community. And then we have sort of built that to our platform right now, which is that people can come in and comment um, on sort of like the different videos and stuff that they're watching. Now we're implementing that people can go in and follow each other. And you can also support a specific content creator and then you get badges. So you sort of get part of a team, just like instead of being a part of a, a team, you're a part of a content creator team. So you're supporting one content creator. And for instance, in, in, uh, in Dota, we are working together with a guy called Nico Baby. Um, Nico Baby is playing at Team Alliance, and and we've sort of came up with with you know stuff that's gone viral right now. That's also implemented inside of the game. Like they have like a chat wheel where it's about him saying um, you want to be like a shark, right? And now we've created that in sort of the scope on now you can join you know the shark family on our platform, which is you know community building on 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 like the content creator thing. And I think that's that's the really strong advantage that we have is that we work with these top tier players. That is also, you know, our sort of go-to market strategy because they, they are, you know, the super future stars. Yes. And um, also I, I wanted to ask you, um, you, you've grown from to 25 uh, people in, um, in your company. There, there's a lesson you want to share on how to hire, uh, especially first employees in a, in a startup like, like yeah. 
Yeah, <clears throat> I would say um, spend a lot of time understanding sort of are they willing to learn um, for me, at least, that's important. Um, I would much rather, you know, have a B or a C player that is uh, eager to learn and that I fit very well socially with that, I, you know, I can sort of see develop fast over time. So for me, at least, it's important that people are quick learners um, and also that there is a social fit because we're going to be spending a shit lot, a lot of time together, right? So so for me, it's very important that there is the, the social fit. Um, and I also think... You know, it's it's probably a cliche that a lot of people have heard, but you know, hire fast, but but also fire fast. Like if if you see that there isn't a fit and you sort of try all your best, um, you know, maybe this is just not a fit between you know the two individuals. So I think some of the the uh, the learnings we made, you know, very early on was that uh, yeah, bet, better fire people if, if if it's not working, you know, and we can, you know, obviously also try to 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 optimize our relationship and make sure that we are doing our very best. But but it can also be very damaging for the company if there's someone who, who doesn't sort of fit and who else where it's it can also from a managing perspective be entirely exhausting to to sort of work with an individual where the, the fit is just not there. Um, and for me, at least I. I, I at least like to think of myself as, as someone who's good at sort of analyzing other human beings. Um, and, and I sort of quickly have like a, the, the feeling, uh, is there a connection or, it, or is there not? So, And then I can, you know, for any other founders that is out there, I think um, a VC called NFX, which is from uh, the US, they've built like a super awesome tool in terms of asking very delicate questions in, in an interviewing process. Um, so I can definitely recommend that. And you can probably put a link in the comment or something like that. Which is a, a question you always ask during an interview with an employee? Um, oh, there's 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 a lot. Um, but I think it's it, I always like to sort of get to know what is you know the the biggest fuck up a person have ever made, um, and that also you know sort of lowers the entry level and sort of gives a more transparent conversation. Um, so I really like to ask that question, um, and then for me it's more about sort of putting out um, sort of questions where I get to understand how you know how has the best performing team been that you've been working on previously and sort of identify what worked very well there. Also interesting in getting to know who, who are some of the persons that you have learned the most from. So for me, at least it's very learning oriented um, to, to that. That's, that's what I'm fascinated about when I'm, when I'm hiring people. Okay. Mm, there's a kind of experience you advise people to do before starting a startup as a, as a training, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so I think the biggest advice in terms of, 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 of building a startup is, is do it and go out there um, and then, you know, nail it before you scale it. Don't hire too many people too early, like build the product yourself or at least get someone on the, on the founding team who can who can build it. Like I'm not a technical guy. Um, so for me, at least, it was very important that I had someone who was technically uh, together with me and, and not sort of using an agency because there will be pivots and there will be pivots to both the product and the service and maybe also have to change your business model. Um, and and it's a it's a ever sort of thing that you um, 
that you sort of have ideas and indication of a product market fit, and then you sort of, you know, maybe it works a little bit, and then you sort of have to rewamp that into another thing, and maybe it works a little bit again, and it worked to some scale, and then you have to, you know, do product market development again, um, and and so so uh, so I would say, you know, focus a lot on sort of product market fit in terms of usage, speak with customers, you know, don't start paid advertisement too early, like go out there, get it organically uh, to sort of un- understand what is the yeah, ideal customer profile, where are they coming from, how they are learning about my company, et cetera. So. Okay. Um, I, I read that you, at the beginning, you emailed a lot of professional exporters um, asking them to collaborate with your platform. So uh, what, what you want to say on how to reach people the, um, as a complete unknown and convince them. <laughs> and, yeah, um, and I think I've learned a lot of lessons there. So for me, I'm, I'm super, um, when I want something, I, I usually get it because I'm very eager and I'll continue to do it for whatever it takes, right? Uh, but it was definitely not the most effective way to do it. Um, so, you know, a lesson, a lesson learned was that I should have done what I did six months after, and, and that was I hired a guy called Nikolai. Um, and Nikolai is a former professional player right so he had connections to all the big teams he's been playing self he knows how to sort of pitch the idea and everything and um, so in hindsight i should have hired him before um because you know but you also you know what you sort of know in, in a given period and, and i didn't have a lot of cash to pay him as well so um but but i think um hiring someone who was very um, agnostic to sort of the industry and had the knowledge and connection to the teams that that would have been a, a big time saver. So uh, yeah, yeah. This is a thing I, I I've heard also in, in recent episodes. You you need to start building your network right before starting your startups, or uh, um, uh, as an opposite direction, to tap in existing networks uh, from from other people. This is Precisely. Yes, because otherwise you, you there's a risk to to lost a lot of time in in building. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think you know one of the uh, when I sort of sometimes from time to time when I'm advising other founders who are sort of wanting to start a company, they are always like. I don't want to share too much information. Some people are going to replicate sort of my concept where it's more about go out there, tell everything, you know, and, and, and there are 10, 15, 200 other people thinking the exact same idea that, that you have. And it's more about execution and getting feedback. Right. So, um, so I think that's also important just to speak very openly about sort of the project and the things even before you started. Right. Cause, cause of that, you'll get a lot of initial thoughts at least. Um, you should definitely not ask your mom cause she will definitely just say it's a great idea and you should, you know, go ahead. But, uh, there's something called the mom test that I can the you know, mom rec- test, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I read it also. See, yeah. this is important. You yeah. you're looking for feedback, not for confirmation that your idea Precisely. is good. Yes. <laughs> so the last question I want to ask you is, uh, which is the person uh, that has inspired you the most in starting your business and from which you you've learned a lot? Yeah. Um. Oh, there, there are many on the list. Um, I think, you know, I, I always had like a fashion or a passion for for, uh, for Elon Musk, um, I would say. Um, and, and also Steve Jobs, you know, read, read books with them. And I think they definitely sort of kickstarted some of the initial thoughts behind creating a startup. Um, I think 
one of the beauties is that one of my co-founders, Rasmus, is, is maybe also one of my biggest inspirations. And I think it's it's to see him sort of challenge and the way he thinks, I think that's deeply sort of fascinating, specifically from like a customer sort of thing and try to understand the needs. Um, so that's more perhaps a little bit in terms of like in, intrinsic motivation in terms of building a company and then sort of the bigger ones or probably some of the, the, the guys I mentioned for you. Um, okay, thanks. So that's fine. It's been an, an amazing conversation. We've, re we've read also the, the same books. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, when I, <laughs> I've, I've also like, um, I think in terms of reading books, um, I, I, I use a service called Blinkist um, that I'm Blinkist. like, I think it's really great for just sort of, you know, you should definitely read books on top of that. Blinkist is, is just a small review, but it's sort of, it's a good way when people are saying, hey, you should try out this book. You, you get sort of like a 15 minute thing where you can get, yes. yeah, and then you can sort of read the book afterwards. So I'm using that for analyzing sort of, you know, good material to, to read. Um, and that's, that's another thing from, from any entrepreneurial sort of thing, research and read, like read a lot because it's just, yes. yeah, it, it, it helps with, with also fresh thoughts sometimes. Like it's, it's very easy to just get down into the machine where sometimes you need to step back and sort of look at the bigger picture. Am I going where I want to go? Um, and, and I think reading books or, you know, just information in, in general um, is keen to, to sort of, uh, to sort of get a new information and get inspired on sort of new ways to do things. And challenge your 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 vision and your yeah. and your biases. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, and I think that's that's definitely something that we've. It's also something we we are very serious about in our company is that people have two hours a week where it's it's about self development in the office. So it's reading, it's researching, it's doing what they want, um, and and that's also to try to you know. Usually, there comes out a quite quite a few new ideas after that, and I think that's one of the things as a company is that we will continue to innovate for you know the rest of of, of our lifehood. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Really insightful. Um, thanks for being here. And, yeah, of and course. Good luck, and good luck for your future. <laughs> Thank you. Okay.